Hey, everybody. Welcome to Kings and Priests. I'm Michael, and me and my co-host, Dean Sweetman, are here every week talking faith-driven business and entrepreneurship. And I'm excited because we're going to start dropping weekly interviews and conversations uh, as well with entrepreneurs, founders, creators, and investors, all people building innovative and interesting projects and companies with a vision to ultimately advance the kingdom of God here on earth. This week, I talk with Reagan Rose, the founder of Redeeming Productivity, which is a Christian approach to getting stuff done. Redeeming Productivity is a blog, newsletter, courses, and podcast where Reagan talks about technology, techniques, and theology in the light of the Bible to help Christians get more done and glorify God in how they do it. I personally love Reagan's content and definitely encourage you to sign up for his newsletter at redeemingproductivity.com. In this conversation, I talk with Reagan about the theology of productivity motives behind success, and then we hear his story of leaving his job to build redeeming productivity full-time. Before we get to the interview, I want to remind you to do us a massive favor and like, rate, leave us a review on whichever platform you are listening to this on today. We are still in the earliest stages of building this podcast and community, and this really does go such a long way in helping us spread the word. Okay, let's get to this conversation with Reagan Rose of Redeeming Productivity. Welcome to the Kings and Priests podcast. I'm here with Reagan Rose. What's hey, up, Reagan? It's good to be here. Thanks for uh, thanks for being on. I'm glad we've had this plan for like maybe a month now, so I'm really excited to uh, finally get to yeah, do I've this. Yeah, I've been looking forward to it, Mike. Um, so Reagan is the founder of Redeeming Productivity. Um, and he's got a newsletter, podcast, courses. Uh, you maybe you have a book here coming out soon that yeah. I heard about, or or just give us like the brief, classic, couple minute long overview of like what you're about, what you do, just to give people some. No, context. totally. Yeah. So uh, I I got really into like productivity literature, reading all the books. You know, Seven Habits for Highly Effective People, uh, getting things done. Mm -hmm. I got into a lot of that when I was in college, and especially in mm -hmm. seminary. And just the whole okay. idea of time management. And so I've mm -hmm. always been passionate about that. But because um, I got really deep down that rabbit hole, I started seeing like some patterns emerge uh, with the worldview and kind of the philosophy behind some of the, the secular time management stuff. And so like tactically, mm -hmm. it was really helpful. But then it would always get into mm -hmm. stuff that I felt like was... Um, I don't know, at odds with like kind of a biblical worldview. And so that's kind of where the mm -hmm. name came mm -hmm. from, redeeming productivity is I'm, I'm trying to trying mm -hmm. to sort of take a really solid theology of work, of stewardship, of time and, and what Christians are all about and mm -hmm. merge that with really, really good, uh, some of the best tactical stuff out there. How do you actually do it? You know, how do you actually set up a morning mm -hmm. routine? How do you actually manage your tasks? And so you're not just doing stuff the right way, but you're doing it with the right mindset and you're doing it for the right reason, which is to bring God glory with mm -hmm. your life. So I, I started writing on That's this awesome. in like 2016 and it slowly has evolved into, it spun off into a podcast. And then I started doing um, some YouTube stuff and, and then last mm -hmm. year, uh, I went full time with it and started releasing some uh, products and courses that kind of show people step by step how to do some of these things. And that's enabled mm -hmm. me to go full time with it. And it's just been that's a wild awesome. ride and the Lord's really been good to us. 
That's so cool. So you start, you jumped out on your own about a year ago. And I want to talk more about that later, but you got, you got a wife, kids. I mean, like when you say I'm fully supporting myself doing this, it's you're, you're supporting a family, not yeah, just you. Yeah, I got you, a, a right? wife so, and two kids yeah, and it's huge. By, by God's grace, my wife doesn't need to work right now because this is doing what we need it to do. I mean, I'm, I'm literally in my, my in-laws awesome. basement right now. So we're looking for a house, but we're actually been, <laughs> we're actually able to look for a house right now, which has been uh, a big right. turning point. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I want to get into some of this theology of productivity. And then I, I really want to jump into, you know, a lot of our listeners are uh, founders. They're, you know, they have a side hustle that they're wanting to go full time on. They're faith-based entrepreneurs. They want to be faith-based entrepreneurs. So I want to get into uh, your story of what that's been like for you. And then even start to talk really practically about how you were able to do that. But first you, um, you tweeted something a few days ago that, uh, kind of like stopped me. I read it, I reread it. And it sort of like actually really convicted me. It was a quote from CS Lewis. Um, it says this, no man who values originality will ever be original. But to try to tell the truth as you see it, try to do any bit of work as well as it can be done for the work's sake, and what men call originality will come unsought. As like a classic contrarian, want everything I do to be the most original and roll my eyes at everything that seems to not be original. <laughs> uh, that not only convicted me, but it really kind of like reset my framing in just like even what I'm attempting to do. So I don't know, man. Like, why, where did that quote come from for you just to be like, I want to, I want to put this out into the world and I don't know, maybe talk to me about that. Yeah. Well, you know, when you're doing any kind of content creation, be it writing or, or podcasting or even producing a sermon or something like that, like you're all like, just like you were talking about, you're always wrestling with that question of originality. Like, obviously you don't want to just go around copying people. And so <laughs> I, I don't know about you, but like I get frozen sometimes in like that quest to do something. I want to say something no one else has said before. But uh, yeah. one of the things I started thinking about years ago, and I think this quote sort of came from that, that I'd, I've been dwelling on this for a couple of years, is like, as Christians, we don't have much, we don't have that much original to say, you know, even if even what you're mm. creating is not you're remolding what God has done. And, you know, we have the Bible, we have the word of God. And I come from a, a background of, of preaching and teaching and going through seminary. And the idea of what does it mean to teach God's word? Like, you, you don't really want to be original. Like, you don't want to be saying things the Bible doesn't right. say. And so I, I've just thought, I've generalized Yeah, that. you don't want to say something that's like never been said yes. before. You know what I mean? When you start getting into that tory, territory, it's, it's like, dangerous. Uh, whoa. And I come from like a charismatic Pentecostal yeah. background. So there's a lot of times we're, you know, wait a minute. I don't know if that's ever been said right. before. And I don't know if that's so yeah, is that a good thing? thing? Yeah. No, so like I, 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 that idea of originality, the thing that, that eventually struck me is, man, it's not about saying something that's never been said before. It's about saying something that in a way that only you could say it. And I think this gets to the heart of like how mm. God has made us. Like he, he created us in unique ways that the way that you express or say something or create something is going to be totally different than anybody else. Like that's not just like a rah rah pat you on the back. Like it's just true. Like it's God has made us to be creative beings mm -hmm. because we're made in his image and he is a creator. So what is originality then? It's saying 
something in a way that only you could say it and, and doing it well. And so that C.S. Lewis quote, mm-hmm. I don't remember where I came across it, but mm-hmm. I was like, yes, this, this nails it. Because if you just do something with integrity, you do it mm-hmm. with quality, and you just try as much as you can to be the real deal, it will come out original. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if you're taking right. your inspiration from somebody else, even if you're looking at something someone else is doing and you're saying, I like that, but how could I say that? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's really good. There's this quote, and I don't remember where I heard it, but it's, um, you know, it, it's sort of, it must have been in some like preaching class somewhere along the way, but it was like, you know, be a, you got to be an echo before you can be mm-hmm. a voice, right? So in other words, like, not that you're straight up copying somebody or just like ripping off something, but you know, it's it, 100% originality is like, never needs to be the goal you know what i mean especially if you're like learning your craft Mm -hmm. and figuring it all out and and all that kind of stuff and you often find your um, voice by mimicking you know you start by copying exactly and then eventually you know Mm -hmm. your your personality comes through yep my my mom actually just recently uh during covid like went and digitized all of our old like you know uh video camcorder um tapes from you know when i was a kid and the tail end of those were like me uh speaking as like a junior high youth guy in our in our church and so she's like sending me clips from these messages and i'm like i don't know who i was trying to be there but (laughs) you could tell i'm glad glad these aren't on (laughs) i'm glad these aren't on youtube and i am sorry for anyone that had to sit through these because this is this is shocking but it's interesting that you said that about getting kind of freezing getting frozen like trying to create something whether that's create content build a company write a sermon Mm -hmm. anything it might be like it really is easy to especially in today where it's like you go on social media and all you see is everything that everybody else is doing Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so it's sort of like man it can be really overwhelming and i too have found myself just like frozen some days where i'm like wait a minute well i haven't actually then done anything or put anything out yeah. into the world and no so, totally i don't know that was just a a great and I, I can imagine for you like jumping into this full time that's got to be a daily struggle, oh yeah right totally like, it's it's really scary it's i try uh-huh. to i haven't come up with a good way to express it but it's there's something interesting that happens when you take total responsibility for your life like that whether you you mm-hmm. go you become an entrepreneur or or you just kind of decide I'm going to get in shape now. Like something very interesting mm-hmm. happens when you sort of stop treating yourself like sometimes going to be a victim. Some going to just be that you're deferring to other people to make decisions for you. But it's like this mixture of fear because it's like you're uncertain. How do you do it? Because mm-hmm. you're not you're not letting someone else tell you everything right. to do. You're you're you've decided to do it yourself. Right. And uh-huh. just like incredibly exciting. Like I wake up every day just so excited it's so fun to kind of go mm-hmm. out there and try to make something even though i'm like fumbling and stumbling and uh yep. it's often like terrifying you're like okay i don't know how we're gonna make ends meet this month that kind of stuff <laughs> there, yeah it's, i wouldn't i wouldn't choose anything else it's just it's like you feel so much more alive mm-hmm. yeah for sure i Man, there are, I I feel like for me, it's like week by week where some weeks I wake up and I'm like, what have I gotten Mm -hmm. myself into? Why am I doing this? What makes me think I have any business trying to do this? And then some weeks I wake up like, all right, here we go. I'm walking right in the middle of God's plan for my life. I'm confident, borderline (laughs) cocky about what God's called me to do. And it's just like this roller coaster. You can almost feel bipolar. Um, For me, it's the weekends, man. Like Saturday afternoon mm -hmm. when I, because I, 
I deliberately chose when I started, I'm not going to work on the weekends. I have really little kids. I want to be around them while they're small. Yep. Um, Mm-hmm. But the weekends, I, I have like a little mini like existential crisis every Saturday because I'm not mm-hmm. I think what it is, mm-hmm. is I'm not working. And since I know that it all right. sort of depends on me, I know that's not true theologically, but, you, feel, you know, the burden of responsibilities yep. on me. Um, yeah, I like freak out because at least on Monday I'm doing something so I can feel like I'm making progress, even though I'm not there yet. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. I've had to relearn that, too. I, we have a, a eight month old at home and. I definitely noticed like I during the weeks, I'm not mm-hmm. feeling anxious because I'm I'm producing, even if it's just like thinking mm-hmm. about the business. But yeah, that's like Saturday, wake up, nothing to do except like hang with the family. That <laughs> that's the thing that, that the anxiety kind of starts to rise because I'm like, wait a minute, I should be doing. And then I make the mistake of going on yeah. Twitter and seeing some, you know, tweet thread about productivity and like what successful people do on the weekends versus what non-successful people do on the weekends. And I'm like, oh my gosh. (laughs) And I want to get to some of that in a minute. But first what I want to do is, so we've got all kinds of people Mm -hmm. listening again, entrepreneurs, business people, pastors, church leaders, people who, um, you know, work in the marketplace, but also are very involved in sort of like serving at their church and, and building church. Talk to me about, um, and there's a lot of people that talk about productivity, right? From, like you said, a Mm -hmm. non-Christian perspective. I think a lot of the productivity talk around this in the church has always been just like, go build, take ground, grow, make it happen, growth at all costs. And I know there's been a lot of talk about that in in the Christian world over the last few years. But um, what's your like theology around productivity? Like, obviously God's put us on this earth to build and to produce. I know you have really put a lot of thought into this space. So I don't know, man, just riff for a bit on kind of like where you started and where you're at now. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think that, you know, philosophically, so many different um, pieces of the foundation of how we think about productivity biblically is different from how someone who, who isn't basing that philosophy on the Bible would think like even in, Mm -hmm. in terms of success, right? Like how do you define success? Uh, a lot of books on productivity won't even get into this. They just kind of assume from the start, like you want to get rich, right? You know? So like even right. in how we define mm-hmm. success, it's, it's okay to make money. I'm not saying it's, it's wrong, but ultimate right. success for a Christian is going to be, were we faithful to God? Like it, it's judged mm-hmm. on an eternal timeline. It's judged on mm-hmm. were we, were we faithful stewards of this life? Did we try to glorify him in everything we did? Even if the business flops, even if everything you're doing falls apart, were you trying to be faithful? Um, and I feel like that's like a massive difference for us. And that has trickled down to everything we do, like integrity, for example, I work with integrity mm-hmm. because that if I don't work with integrity, I may succeed, I may lie or I may cut corners and I may succeed temporally, but ultimately mm-hmm. I failed. And so like when you understand mm-hmm. that, that your definition of success is, you know, it, it, when Christ says, well done, good and faithful servant, then it changes everything about how you work, your motivation for it. Um, and yeah, it, it just trickles down to every aspect of life. Um, so I think that's, that's mm-hmm. one of the massive things that has, uh, influence my thinking a lot. The other one is uh, purpose. I think sometimes we forget that we we have like the answers to like the biggest problems in the universe, which is a pretty weird thing. Mm-hmm. It's it's an amazing yeah, like right. uh, 
benefit of being a Christian. We have clarity about things that the rest of the world is searching for clarity on. I know why I'm here. I know that Mm -hmm. the purpose of my life is to honor God. That is, that like narrows down so much because it's so hard living Mm. in this age of infinite options and opportunities. It's hard to know what to do, but Mm -hmm. it starts to give you this laser focus when you realize, no, 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 no. Whatever I do, it's got to be about bringing God glory. And that gives me information about how I do it. That that I'm, like I said, you're going to do it with integrity. I'm going to do it well with excellence Mm -hmm. and why Mm -hmm. I'm going to do it. So I think those are just a couple of the, the philosophical things that really do change at a very fundamental level how we approach life and work. Right. So, you know, you mentioned sort of like, you know, we talk about, and on this podcast a lot, we just talk, we, we talk about things like failure mm-hmm. and, and just, again, the theology of like wanting to build mm-hmm. something. We even talk a lot about sort of like wealth and wealth creation mm-hmm. and, and is it okay to want that? And what are the motives underneath totally. that? Right. Like nobody goes into business or nobody starts anything with the idea of like, I don't really want this to be right. successful. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and I often find this, this like, um, so like we talk productivity and and then with productivity is ambition, yes. right? Nobody wants to be really productive uh, without having some sort of ambition for what that productivity is going to lead to, right? Right. So how have you, and again, you, you know, you write content on this, you've taught courses, you've had a lot of conversations in this space. So how do you sort of like navigate that yeah. of going, okay, I wake up every day and I want to do what I do for the glory of God. I also have an expectation that I'm going to succeed (laughs) in whatever I've determined that success looks like, right? Productivity is not just for productivity's Mm -hmm. sake, or maybe it is. Um, How have you balanced that of like waking up going, okay, I I have ambition, I have desire. And even if that ambition is to just multiply what God has given me, how do you sort of keep that in balance? You know, that's, does does that make sense? Totally. That's a, that's a great question. Yeah. I, I think there's there's sort of like two aspects to what you're asking. The one is like the the money thing. I don't I don't know that anyone would go into business for themselves if that wasn't on the table because like why would you give up mm-hmm. the security or the comfort, you know, of of having an employer mm-hmm. unless you thought that by doing this myself I'll be able to at least meet that or hopefully exceed it. So mm-hmm. that is a very real question and the, the danger there is like scripture does warn about um, like those the, uh, uh, the love of money being the root of all kinds of evil mm-hmm. that those who mm-hmm. desire riches can fall into a snare. You know, Mark, Mark yeah. four, it talks about um, the, the deceitfulness of riches and the Bible never says money is bad. Um, mm-hmm. But if you inordinately desire it, you got a problem, you know, and right. that's, that's really the issue is who's on the throne. You know, Jesus even said, you can't mm-hmm. serve God and money. You got to pick one and money. So mm-hmm. that is a fight. I mean, that's a fight for me too. Even, even you can love money and you can have love of money. I mean, even when you're not making it, a lot of times we think that it's uh, the guy who's really successful. Oh, he must love money. You know, he's, he's driving around a Lambo or something, but a mm-hmm. lot of times, at least for me, the struggle with love of money is when I don't have it because I, right. I keep thinking, I keep trusting in it. I keep thinking if I have a little more, then I'll be safe, then I'll be comfortable. Mm-hmm. And what it revealed really is uh, that I'm trusting money more than God. And the really mm-hmm. interesting thing, Mike, that I, I've come to realize lately is it's not that I wasn't idolizing money before. It's that I didn't realize it. When I worked for other people and I was comfortable financially, 
I wasn't aware of the fact that I was trusting in the money for my safety and security. You know what I'm saying? I was mm-hmm. idolizing it. Mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. loving money. Yep. But it was when I was right. put in a position where it depended on me that I realized that was a problem and it, you know, actually went to war against that. So I think that's one aspect mm. of it is the, the money side. Like, And that all I can say to that is it's just a battle every day. You just have to keep saying, Lord, right. help me to do this for your sake, not not for the money, mm-hmm. but please bless this endeavor. Because, you know, um, even temporal uh, finances are in, in different points in the scripture are viewed as a blessing. Like Solomon was blessed financially. There's different right. things like that. I'm not getting into like the, the prosperity stuff, but it, I just think we'd be yep. blind if we didn't admit that temporal often, not every time, it's not a, a law. Often mm-hmm. God does bless mm-hmm. people temporally, financially for being faithful to him. So that's one aspect. The right, other side is right. the ambition and mm-hmm. just that desiring to do more, which I th- always thought is like a really funny mm-hmm. thing that Christians almost balk at the idea of ambition. So it's kind of weird. Like right. it's like it's almost more spiritual just right. not to care, not to want anything. Right. Um, right. Let me share a quote right. with you. As if, as if. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go, go for it. No, I was just going to say, as if, like you said earlier, we don't have the answers to the biggest mysteries of the universe. Like as if we don't have something to say, a perspective to bring in any situation we find ourselves yeah. in. Right. So that, that alone should be enough for us, at least I think to go, man, I want to, for lack of a better term, I have an ambition to succeed yeah. in whatever it is that I'm doing for the glory yeah, of God. There's nothing but, spiritual um, or noble about floating through life. Like you're here for a reason. Like if you, if you believe mm-hmm. that, then you got to take responsibility and you got to say, okay, what, one, what is that reason? How's God specially equipped me? And two, what can I do to, 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 to set a vision for my life and to actually go after that with all that I, with all that I have? Like, I don't, I mm-hmm. honestly don't get it. Like the people that are just floating, Christians that are just floating through life and just kind of like, oh, I hate my job. I don't like any of this stuff, but you know what? I'm like, right. what are you waiting for? Are you just waiting to die? Like, what, like what, mm-hmm. what's the point, right. you know? <laughs> right. Yeah, no, that's that's so true. That's so true. Let me share a quick quote with you. Uh, yeah. I just thought was so good about ambition. This is from J. Oswald Sanders from his book, Spiritual Leadership. He says, mm-hmm. desiring to excel is not a sin. It is motivation that determines ambition's character. Our Lord never taught against the urge to high achievement. He did expose and condemn unworthy motivation. All Christians are called to develop God-given talents, to make the most of their lives, and to develop to the fullest their God-given gifts and capabilities. I just love that, especially that part, the, mm. it's motivation that determines ambition's character. If you're going mm. after this mm-hmm. exclusively so that you can, you know, get wealthy so you can spend it on yourself and on your own desires, like, that's, that's a failed mm-hmm. enterprise. But if you're going after this right. so that you can ultimately bring God more glory, and even in, 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 as the Lord enriches you, financially you're using that to to help build his kingdom as well well there you go mm-hmm. that's a noble ambition it, it's it's not that ambition mm-hmm. is, ba- is bad it's that it's got to be motivated right. for the right thing right and only god really knows yep. our motivation mm-hmm. right i was actually talking to a friend this morning about just kind of this idea of like church growth mm-hmm. and we just like randomly got up like why do some churches grow and others don't right or why do some businesses succeed and others don't and again some of those are just product market fit, great idea, great product that people need. But, but oftentimes I do think a lot about like, okay, so if God knows the innermost motives of our heart, um, ultimately he, he kind of knows why we're trying to do yeah. 
what we're trying to yeah. do, right? And that's a journey in his grace he's willing to go on with us. But at the same time, we're lying to ourselves <laughs> if we think that like uh, that nobody sees the motives yeah. that are really underneath what it is that we're yeah. trying to trying to do. I really like that um, that kind of approach to success. Yeah, sometimes we don't know? know our whole motives. Like that's something I, I feel like I've tried to wrestle with and, and reconcile is I don't think I'm ever doing stuff from totally pure motives, you know, like I'm always mm -hmm. having to sort of come before the Lord and say, okay, can you, can you help mortify in me? Like the, the, the parts of the, my desire here that are purely uh, selfish or, or sinful. Um, and the more you do that, I think the better you get at it, but your motivations, it's, it's always going to be a battle. Like we're not, you know, we're mm -hmm. not uh, glorified yet. We still have indwelling sin. We're still going to be drawn, um, by bad motivation. So it's just, it's being, I guess, humble enough and maybe self-aware enough mm -hmm. to admit that and just constantly be trying to, to ask for the Lord's yeah. help with that. Yeah. Talk about your, um, you've written a lot about morning routine mm -hmm. and just even hearing you, even like talking about this idea of like success and ambition and motivation, um, for a Christian, you know, we, you read stuff about like morning routines of, you know, high capacity elite, producers and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, like I wake up at 5 a.m. and I jump in an ice bath and then I, you know, whatever, like all this stuff. And that's all fine. I'm totally like, I don't do any of that, but I, I'm all about it, you know? Um, but maybe sort of this like idea of like a morning routine, I would imagine that a lot of your teaching around that has to do with like spiritual disciplines mm -hmm. to essentially every day kind of like reset those <laughs> motivations, take stock of them. So I don't know, maybe just riff on like some of that, thought that you've had around morning routine and um for students and dads and moms and entrepreneurs and pastors like what um what are some of the things that you teach in that and how has that kind of transformed your your life yeah totally no i i'm huge on the morning routine things it's just it's like a secret weapon i feel like a lot of what I teach on it does center around, I kind of, it's kind of a mixture. I have some spiritual disciplines that, you know, making time for Bible study and prayer every day also, but other practical things, exercise, planning your day, um, looking ahead at what's coming up. I think the, the big thing that got me into it was the first part was the spiritual disciplines. Like you're talking to most Christians and like, they know I should be in the word every day. I should be praying, but, and you'll get that at church and stuff, but nobody often nobody sits down and says, here's how you do that. Here's exactly how you mm -hmm. make a time for yourself. Here's how long you could spend. Mm -hmm. Here's a plan. Here's, here's how to do it. And so that's what I kind of aimed to do. I was like, if, could I just like dumb this down so that I could just hand somebody here, here you go. Here's how you do it. Um, mm -hmm. but one of the great things about doing that stuff in the morning, I realized is one mornings are undistracted. If you wake up a little bit earlier, there's no, nobody's calling you hopefully. And there's no, mm -hmm. there's nothing can interrupt you. And so you kind of own that time mm -hmm. in a really unique way. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. And two is once you start building a morning habit of like doing anything and like, say you start with Bible reading and prayer, suddenly it becomes really easy to start stacking other stuff on the back of that. So when I started getting into this um, about 10 years ago, doing a morning routine, it kept getting longer because I, I loved it. I cherished the time and I kept realizing, oh, wait, mm -hmm. I could I could not just read my Bible and pray. I could do exercise at this time. And then after that, I could journal. And after that, I could read in some of my books. And after that, I could plan my day. And so I wake up like stupidly early because I go to bed at like the same time 
probably your grandparents what, do. <laughs> what, what time? What time do you wake? What time do you wake up? I wake up at four thirty right now, but I go to bed. Man. I go to sleep at nine. So I okay. I live I live the lifestyle of the of the geriatric. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. How long did it take you? Well, I guess you said you've been doing it ten years. Um, I've always desired to be that morning mm-hmm. person, and I get up between 6.30 and 7. It, we, you know, we have a new baby, yeah. so it's like... Yeah, that throws everything everything's, off. Everything's thrown into a tail, tailspin, but was that difficult for you to like work up to that point? It actually happened by accident. So I I was like uh, a sworn member of the Night Owl Society. Like I, I really was really big on, no, my most creative time is like between 10.30 and like 2 in the morning. Like I loved being up late. And I, what I realized later was that's probably because it was undistracted. Like that was probably a big reason that I liked working during those times mm-hmm. is I could just get in the flow state and just go for hours. But uh, when mm-hmm. I got married, um, my wife and I just decided, you know, we're always going to go to sleep together at the same time. And we just decided, mm-hmm. I don't remember why, we just decided to do that. And my mm-hmm. wife needs like nine to 10 hours of sleep a night. And I only need about seven, seven and a half. And so mm-hmm. when we started going to bed, at the same time we were going to bed early so she could get enough sleep and i was just waking up really early like because i it was just too long you'd slept yeah. enough because yep. like nine nine to four or nine thirty to four thirty is seven hours of sleep so i started to wake mm-hmm. up at mm-hmm. four thirty five in the morning and i didn't know what to do like i was like okay i guess i'll watch tv and it took me a while to dawn yeah. on me it was like no no this is a huge gift so that that's that was huge for me just going to bed earlier and that's what i tell people they say well how do i how do i make room for this how do i make sure i'm getting enough sleep like it's really as simple as going to bed earlier like if you're now i realize not mm-hmm. everyone can do that and i'm not recommending everybody get up at 4 30 but even if you right. carve out like an extra half if you go to bed a half an hour earlier and then set your alarm a half or half an hour earlier like 30 minutes mm-hmm. is a lot of time in the morning to do things when mm-hmm. you're undistracted yeah no that's um that's so true. Let's, um, I, I want to get into, uh, just kind of your journey, um, starting doing what you're doing now. Um, I know you just celebrated kind of a year of building this full time. So making your living doing this, um, I was actually listening to kind of your, your first year, I guess, sort of like mm-hmm. wrap up celebration episode on the way into work, um, this morning. And you had this quote that I just thought like, again hit me like right for exactly the way i was thinking this week you said building something by yourself is like playing an entirely different version of the game of life so i mean like that was so resonate like just that is exactly what it feels like so i don't know man i guess talk about like your journey up to getting to the point where you're you're doing this by yourself you're sort of like a i guess you call yourself like a solopreneur is the term you're like a media entity unto yourself um I don't know, like talk about that. Was that something you always wanted to do? Um, and like, why did you choose this alternative game of life yeah. um, as opposed to the one that that most people go after? No, totally. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I don't know. I think part of me probably was always a little interested in this. I've never, I honestly was never interested in entrepreneurship. Like some of my friends were always starting businesses and stuff like that. And like, for some reason that never resonated mm-hmm. with me. But uh when when I was just writing in my free time and doing blogging and all that, like it it was always kind of in the back of my mind, like wouldn't it be cool to do this and have it be your own thing and kind of like anybody. I mean, anyone who's in entrepreneurship, it's like wouldn't it be fun to be your own boss? Um, mm-hmm. So I I kind of stumbled into it over a long period of time, 
and after doing it just just as a hobby didn't really make it, i mean i wasn't really trying to make money off of it for the first i don't know four years of it i had moved let's see i was in california i was uh, out near you actually for okay. about seven years i went out there to go to school um for seminary cool. and then i was working okay. there and we just decided during COVID, actually, my wife and I were like, mm-hmm. why, why all our families in Michigan? And we're like, why are we so mm-hmm. far away from our family? Like, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people mm-hmm. felt that way. A lot of people. Yeah. yeah. And so we just really started honestly thinking about like, what if we move back? So we ended up, I ended up taking a different job, um, initially back here in Michigan where we're living now, where we both grew mm-hmm. up and both of our families are. And I just, even doing that job, I started to really feel I had a lot of um, responsibility on me in that job. A lot of it was very self-directed. And I just started to think like, I could do this. Like I could do this mm-hmm. I, myself. Like uh, this is yeah. like seeing someone else who had done it and built something and working with them. I was like, I think I could do this. And mm-hmm. so I don't know. I just got the bug. I, got, I, think, I don't know what else to call it. The entrepreneur bug. Yep. And I was like, I'm going to try yep. it. And thankfully, I mean, we were just in such a great position because the Lord was just so gracious to us with the timing of it. We had sold a house in California and we had moved back to Michigan. We hadn't bought a house yet. And so we had Mm -hmm. um, some money in the bank from selling that house. And so we're like, you know what, if I don't try it now, we'll probably never be in such a favorable position again. And so that was kind of the nail in the coffin. We were actually in the middle of closing. Mm -hmm. uh, We were about to close on a house. Our offer had been accepted and we ended up, pulling out of it and walking away in California, No, in Michigan. Oh, yeah. in Michigan. Right. And yep. so okay. we, we were like, okay. well, all of our money, all of our money was going to go to the down payment. Um, so all of that stuff kind of all came together at the same time. And we just, there was the pressure of the house was closing and like, I don't know, it was the push. It was the push we needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife was totally mm-hmm. on board. She was very um, encouraging that we should try it. And so that, that was really, mm-hmm. really pushed us over the edge and, to, okay, let's take this, some of this money, have a little runway and let's just try it. Mm-hmm. And so cool. the last year was mostly just throwing stuff at the wall. Mm-hmm. I, at first I didn't know what I was, you know, I was like, okay, am I a podcaster? Am I a blogger? Am <laughs> right. I a YouTuber? My, right. What am I an influencer? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You're, you are a creator. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Right. And like, yeah. I didn't have language <laughs> for it, you know, like I know there's a lot of talk about the creator economy, all that stuff. I never, I didn't keep up with any of that. I didn't understand. I'd never heard the term solopreneur even. So it took a while to figure out, no, I'm, I'm a teacher. I'm educating people. And that's where Mm. I kind of made the shift into doing, I did my first online course was actually called power mornings and it's on how to create a Christ honoring morning routine. So I just literally went through, I was like, what, uh, this is kind of the cornerstone to my productive lifestyle. Let me just break Mm -hmm. it down and explain it to people. And so that was the start to it, um, where it got it becoming financially stable. I love that, that idea of like, am I, you know, you take sort of like a podcaster creator, whatever, and none of those are bad. Mm -hmm. Right. But I think that distilling it down to, I'm a teacher Mm -hmm. that, that is like a, um, like, what am I, that's a switch from like, what am I trying to create for myself to what am I doing to, um, like serve and help and build other people, right? Like I'm, I'm, I'm putting something into the world of value, Mm -hmm. right? I imagine that was like a really powerful shift. No, totally, totally. And yeah, it's funny too, I guess maybe this touches on some of the, the struggles that Christians in particular have with business or trying to become an entrepreneur, the money stuff is like that Mm -hmm. whole like concept of value of producing something of value 
and giving it to people and in exchange asking them to give you val- monetary value for it. Like, I just mm-hmm, think there's mm-hmm. this. This could probably be a whole I'm going off on a tangent here, but this could probably be its whole a whole different no, I thing. I, I just think that's such a wonderful uh, concept. Like I, I worked for a ministry for a number of years where we gave away everything for free, which is wonderful. That's wonderful. Right. But mm-hmm. I, I, you know, could see who how how often people were using the stuff, how they were interacting with it. People don't. People don't value free things. And I know that's like an aphorism. Everybody says that, but it's so true. So there's some, there's a really powerful um, symbiosis that happens when you produce something that really is valuable, really is helpful. Mm -hmm. And you ask people Mm -hmm. to put some skin in the game to get it. And then it brings value to their life. And them actually putting skin in the game made them actually take advantage of the thing rather than throwing stuff out into the world and hoping people actually utilize it. I don't know if that's kind of out there, but that's something that I, that really helped me reconcile the whole thing about, but shouldn't I be doing everything for free? And you know, right, right. No, that's, that's honestly such a good perspective. Um, because there is that thought of like, you know, what what, like i'm creating something god's given me a voice he's given me a perspective but i think there is something to you know hey i'm going to create something of value Mm -hmm. and um you know like like someone is willing to pay for what the value Mm -hmm. is and and i think that that's like a really really important thing because i do think that god wants us to be fruitful right you know and and again it's like i'm you're not trying to figure out the way to maximize every ounce of profit through what it is that you're doing but people are willing to create like, I mean, I spent and like, I think I spent like 700 bucks on a course mm-hmm. last year that, and, and it, it wasn't, and it was super helpful, but I took it way more seriously yes. than I did, you know, just like some free thing that was, you know, whatever. It was like someone who had created immense value it had given me enough value just by me interacting with the stuff that they had been talking about for free online that made me just go, ah, oh, I kind of want to get under the hood a little totally. bit and kind of learn some of the ins and outs. And I didn't think twice about spending the money because of the value that it was, it was going to, going to create. So, or the value that had been created. So, okay. Talk to me about, um, we just actually have an episode. So this will probably, this will probably be coming out after the episode, but Dean and I, who's my, my co-host on this talked about risk, Mm. um, and how an entrepreneur, a faith-based entrepreneur manages risk, looks at risk. There's this difference between taking a, what we would call like a faith step, Mm -hmm and understanding risk right you, you talked in your episode that i listened to this morning about you said you know i i think man if i do the wrong thing i can kill this mm-hmm. whole thing i've poured my life mm-hmm. into yeah. <laughs> so there is this inherent risk in jumping out starting a business starting to create doing something on your own how have you thought about that mm-hmm. um and how do you manage that idea of like faith and risk versus responsibility and stewardship mm-hmm. no that's that's a great question I'll just kind of like go off the cuff here. Um, I think a a big part of it just comes down to wisdom, like recognizing how, how little is really in your control and sort of accepting, accepting the, the things that are within your control and trying to manage those and steward those wisely. So Mm -hmm. There's always risk, no matter what you do. Even if you're employed by somebody mm-hmm. else, there's always risk. You, you financial downturn, you get laid off, um, you get right. fired, um, company right. goes under due to no fault of your own. There's always risk. Mm-hmm. And the the question is, are is the risk uh, 
is the risk so disproportionate to the upside that it's not worth doing, right? Like that's, you know, with <laughs> investing or whether you're starting a company, yep. you got to make those decisions. Yep. And so I think there is like due diligence is involved. If you're, if you're just starting out, you got to, you got to know, like if there is product market fit, you got to know, have some sense of like, do people want what I'm going to do? Or is this, yep. it's not as, you know, YOLO is not a, a step of faith. That's just doing something <laughs> crazy. Wait, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> As I check my uh, brokerage account right now, no, I'm kidding. Yeah, Come yeah, no. yeah. Just put um, it all in Dogecoin. Uh. Exactly, exactly. So yeah. I actually, okay. Total side yeah. note: one of my friends, speaking of the Dogecoin thing, and I didn't. I, or I think I, I think I bought like Dogecoin, and I think I maybe maybe over, held it over one night, and you know, like a very little bit. I had a buddy who bought three hundred dollars of Dogecoin. And wrote it all the way up to, and I think when he finally sold it, it was like almost eighteen thousand dollars worth That's of Dogecoin. Amazing. And I and I was like, I was like, dude, you have to sell this right now. Yeah. You will you will never make an investment this good the rest yeah. of your <laughs> the rest of your life. I don't have the risk. I don't have the risk tolerance no. to uh, to play in the Dogecoin <laughs> world. Well, you know what's funny too is like with no with risk in general. Um, I'm not like big into finance stuff, but I follow some people that talk about that stuff a lot. Cause I, I find like the whole concept of risk, I think is very interesting. Mm -hmm. How do you mitigate it? But, um, one of the things you'll hear from guys like really like long-term good investors is they'll talk about that. You can't evaluate the, the quality of a decision based on the outcome. Like that's, that, that applies in the investing world. And also I think it mm -hmm. applies universally in life is, mm -hmm. and I think there's mm -hmm. as a special application for Christians, like, so, so with the investing analogy, you, you could do all the right things. Say you were picking a company that you were going to invest in and everything looks mm -hmm. good on paper, but then COVID happens or something crazy, right? You exactly. couldn't have predicted that. Right. And so you mm -hmm. can't say, oh, that was dumb. It wasn't dumb. It was a right. good decision. Right. Things outside of your control right. changed it. And so I think for, mm -hmm. for Christians too, those things that the doing due diligence on, on what you're working on, making sure you're doing it with integrity. Like, I think it is even more applicable for us that mm -hmm. we need just to mm -hmm. be as wise as we can with the, mm -hmm. with the information we can have with making decisions. Mm -hmm. And thankfully mm -hmm. we can leave the rest up to God. We can trust right. ourselves to God and we can, one of the most productive things you can do is pray over a decision and ask, ask mm -hmm. for wisdom. I mean, says in James that whoever asks mm -hmm. for wisdom will get it. Um, right. And just entrust your plans to the Lord. So I mm -hmm. think that that's the two things is, is trying to have wisdom for the parts of risk that you have some control over. And then mm -hmm. the rest of it, you just have to hand it over to God. Mm -hmm. um, I want to get into a second, just some of the, the nuts and bolts of your business and how that's what that's been like. Talk to me about, you know, as we talk about uh, risk, there's that inherent failure mm. of trying to start something also, yeah. right? So what if I start this and it doesn't work? What if I, you know, try this and I need to go get a job again in eight months or whatever? We talk a lot about on this podcast about kind of how failure is looked at in Christian circles and not necessarily just moral failure, mm. but this sort of performative culture sometimes that we find in the faith space and and the church and, and all that kind of stuff and and we always often compare that to silicon valley where failing is like a badge of yeah, honor that's interesting right so as long as you fail with integrity mm -hmm. and as long as you handle yourself properly uh that person that invested is like they'll they'll let you have another go mm -hmm. of it you know like they'll write the, another check for the next idea because you've sort of like been in the arena you've played the game 
um, which sounds really noble, <laughs> but so we often talk about like, what are we actually, like, what can we actually possibly fail at? Is it ego? Is it like, you know, for example, you, it's not like you're putting your life savings on the line yeah. to step out and have started this business at the end of the day, failure looks like having to go, ah, maybe I couldn't make this yeah. work the way that I thought I could. How do you deal with that? Like fear of failure totally. and like waking up every day going, man, I'm trying something. I'm putting myself out there and it could maybe not work. Yeah. No, I, I, you know, it's funny that you were talking about the ego part. Like I've, I've realized in myself that, that my fear of failure is most tied to, uh, embarrassment and like fear, fear of man, mm -hmm. really. What are people going to think about me if I fail? Um, mm -hmm. cause the thing is like, uh, it, this was relatively low risk for us financially speaking. Like we had, we had kind of some, um, stops in place we said if we if we spend this much money then we're calling it we set that up mm -hmm. in, ahead of time mm -hmm. and said if it hits yep. that number we're done we're pulling out yep so how have you balanced yeah. like the deep work of i'm creating i'm writing i'm thinking uh and and how do you balance that with the like working working on the business like figuring out mm -hmm. growth thinking through strategies trying out new tools like all of that all that kind of stuff how do you how do you balance the two of those yeah, you know, it's funny when I was um, getting into this, like like I mentioned before, I was doing this all in my spare time, podcast, blogging, mm -hmm. even YouTube. And I kind of like I realized now how naive it was, but I thought once I went full time, like the content machine yep. is just going to ramp up, like imagine mm -hmm. how much I can do because I hadn't accounted for how much is involved on the administrative, building mm -hmm. the business, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff like mm -hmm. you're talking about. And so it's been funny. I, my, my content production has barely increased from when I was doing this just as a side thing mm -hmm. in my free time. Uh, almost all of my additional time goes to the the back end. A lot of building yep. stuff. I I expect that that'll start to slow down now that things are are sort of humming and I have a little machine mm -hmm. going. Um, but I was that really surprised me. So I just, I, I reserve mornings for creative work. So that's sort of, that really works for me. Mm -hmm. I love mornings. Um, that's when my, my brain is at tip top shape. And so I usually am writing or recording or editing in the morning before lunch. And then after lunch is almost always just, okay, I'm answering yeah. all the emails. I'm dealing with billing issues and you know, yeah. all that stuff. So that model's worked really well for me to keep the content machine running but also being building and maintaining the, okay. the back yeah. end. Yeah. What, um, what kind of tools do you use? Like, let's get super practical. Uh, I know, I think you use convert, no, totally. which, um, uh, yep. I, I do not use, but have, I'm kind of trying to figure out what to do on the newsletter side of things, uh, right now. What, uh, like what, what products are you using? What's your, for lack of a better term, like tech stack look like? Yeah. Convert kits for email. Love that. I use Mailchimp for a while, mm -hmm. which is fine. But ConvertKit is just, it's so good. You can tag people in so mm -hmm. many different ways. Really love that. Integrates with everything. Websites built on WordPress. Uh, I'm doing course creation uh, and delivering that via Teachable. Okay. And I have a, a membership community that's on the Circle okay. platform. So instead of doing that on, on Facebook or Discord, I, mm -hmm. I use Circle, which okay. I really like. Uh, on like the actual content creation, I use Final Cut for video mm -hmm. editing. But I use this tool called Descript yeah, I use that. for Man, podcasting. Have you is. heard of that? Talk about a life changer. Dude, that's a yeah, yeah, absolutely, just mm -hmm. game changer. Like if 
if anybody listen to this, if you're, if you're doing content creation or uh, podcasting or even video stuff and you want to create derivative mm-hmm. content, getting a workflow going yep. into script, basically what it is, it allows you to edit audio or video via the mm-hmm. transcript. So it transcribes everything automatically and then you can delete parts and it will yeah, cut the video wild. or cut the, the yeah. audio there. And then you can highlight sections and export them as like audiograms mm-hmm. or video crit. Like that, that is like the linchpin uh, for me and has been mm-hmm. for a while with trying to take long form content and chop it up, chop it up, get, even getting quotes of yep. myself, you all know, all that. Yeah. 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 Descript is amazing. And they just keep coming out with new updates and it's like, yeah, even for like, I was talking to somebody the other day that wants to, um, wants to write more and just like kind of the idea yeah. of like, you know, when I'm driving in the car, I'm thinking, and I'm like, man, you literally could be driving in the car, talk into the notes section of your phone, throw it into Descript when you get home, it will transcribe it for you and you can go edit and boom, there you go. Like it is, it really is a game changing product, Descript is. Yeah. No, I, I do that too all the time. I'll just open it up and I'll mm-hmm. hit record and I'll just talk through an idea. And often that becomes an article. I don't do anything. I just throw the audio yep. away afterwards. Yeah. But it's cool. You can do screen recordings on it. Yeah. It's nuts. It's uh, everyone yeah. should have to script. <laughs> um, okay. So before we close, let's just do like someone's listening today. They are trying to decide, hey, I want to turn this side hustle into a full-time gig or I've got this kind of like dream in my heart to do something that I, I want to launch, oftentimes they think that zero to one has to look like I'm quitting my job today and I'm doing this full time. You started doing this as a side hustle years ago, right? And that's one thing mm-hmm. that we always try and talk yeah. to entrepreneurs about is like, hey, there are baby steps, steps that you can take along the way. There's crawl, crawl, walk and run. So like, I don't know, maybe just talk to someone for a second that's like, man, I'm listening to this. Uh, I want to start, whether it's a podcast or a blog or whether it's a business or whatever that is, um, what's like the most important first step that they can take to, to start doing yeah. that? No, I think that's huge. Yeah. I mean, definitely the first thing is starting to pray about it and getting wise counsel. Like if you're starting to think that mm-hmm. direction, talk to people who know you well and whose opinion you trust. If you're close with your, your mm-hmm. pastor, um, that's so, yeah. so helpful, um, to have people who are kind of affirming mm-hmm. that cause that'll help you. If you do jump in and things get rough, you have that encouragement yeah. that, you know what? Other people saw this, that this would be something to be worth me doing. The thing is just, you know, they talk about like uh, validating an idea. It's completely free to get on social media and then just start talking about mm-hmm. something, whether it's, whether you're even going to do content creation or it's just a business, just start trying to see what are the people mm-hmm. saying, throw stuff out there. And going through that process is super helpful because it creates, I didn't realize this was what was happening over the years I was doing it, but it created a feedback loop because people would write to me about my articles or yep. I have conversations about them. And I started to notice themes. Mm-hmm. Okay. This, th- there's, there's a specific thing that keeps coming up. And so I'd write to that and I'd kind of, you're kind of narrowing this funnel down and focusing in and finding, okay, there, there's a mark. People keep asking the same yeah. question. People have the same problem mm-hmm. again and again mm-hmm. and again. I can address mm-hmm. that. One thing I, I wish I did that I didn't do, but I, I tell people now is you can go from that stage, sort of like validating in public to in most, whether you're doing a product, uh, um, a service or even content creation, there's usually some realm where you could do consulting mm-hmm. or coaching type stuff. Mm-hmm. 
And I read this great book recently called The Minimalist Entrepreneur. Yeah, I, I you read I, that. I, it's I have by, it. Uh, yeah, I have it. I haven't started oh, it do? yet. It's yeah. on the it's on the stack on my uh, bookshelf. It's oh. it's worth reading. And I said anybody listening, that's a great book to worth reading because he basically gives you a game plan for going from validating is that, is, an idea like that's that. That's the guy that started Gumroad. Is that right? He started Gumroad. Yep. Exactly. Okay, yeah. Yep. Yeah. He's like the creator economy guy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but. He, he recommends you, you validate the idea and then you start helping people one-on-one, -on -one, like do stuff that doesn't scale. Like I think like mm -hmm. Paul Graham says, yep. Yep. and you just start, uh, helping people. And by doing that, you create an even tighter feedback loop because you mm -hmm. find out what are the things people are willing to pay for. And it has the bonus of you can make money on the side doing this thing before you dump all this time or all this money into building something, you know, that there are people that want it. Mm -hmm. um, I wish I had done that because it's, I kind of worked backwards and ended up doing some coaching and consulting stuff now. And I'm learning, I have so much more clarity about the main thing that I'm doing right. now that, because I'm talking to individuals one-on-one. -on -one. So mm -hmm. th those are the two things I, I, or three things, pray about it, get, get sound counsel, um, validate your idea in public, and then, uh, um, start trying to help people solve a problem one-on-one -on -one and just take copious notes. Yeah, that's amazing. Reagan, thanks, man, for taking the time to do this. This has been so great, so helpful. Um, we'll definitely have to do it again. Where can people find you online? Like just, you know, where do we go? Mm -hmm. how, can we, how can we find you, your courses, your newsletter, all that stuff? Yeah, everything's on redeemingproductivity.com. You can go on there, you can read articles, find the podcast, all that stuff. Awesome, awesome. Reagan, thanks for the time, man. It was so great talking to you. Thank you, Mike. This has been a ton of fun.